Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human-centered design. For more information, see thisishcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. It's about designing experiences that are, are positive for people. So even with yeah. if you did a pure marketing degree, you know, you have that service design mindset. And I think as long as you have the empathy to think, can I improve this for someone? Can I make it a better experience for them? Then I think that's the key starting point for design. Hello and welcome to Getting Started in Design on This Is 8CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is 8CD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Now, in this episode, I chat with Andrew Frankram from the UK about their experience of graduating from Lancaster University and their experience of landing their first design job. Now, we chat about the impact on Andrew's mental health during this period of his life and also how Lancaster help support their graduating students, help find their feet. It's a great episode. Andrew was marvellous, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Let's jump straight into the episode. Well, Andrew, great to have you on the Getting Started in Design podcast. Um, you know, we've connected before when I did the last round of, uh, I don't know what it was, the 30-minute the mentoring sessions, which I did, um, I think it was last year, maybe, maybe even the year before. But um, maybe start off and tell us a little bit about where you're currently working and what your role entails. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Andrew Frankham. I'm a service designer. I currently work uh, in civil service, Office for National Statistics. So a lot of it is, you know, really encompassed by the idea of, you know, I think the core idea of service design of, you know, making things better for people, making services and interactions better, Mm -hmm. um, a, a very broad sense. So that's, you know, you know, largely what we do, you know, we try to do research, try to visualize things and help people understand what, you know, what we can do and, and ultimately, you know, uh, pass on mm. some value through that. So um, whenever we were speaking before, um, we were talking a little bit more around your journey into your current role. Um, so for people listening, maybe talk about uh, what you studied in university or did you go to university? And um, what what was that journey like from coming out of um, university and finding a job? Was it this was this was not your first job, was it? No, it wasn't. No. Um, so, I suppose my you know the journey to get to where I am, I suppose, starts in in high school ultimately. You know, and I think as early on as that is when you need to start thinking about your career, which is in yeah. many ways a really difficult thing to to contest with because you know you're still learning and developing as a person, and you have to make these decisions pretty much as you know as early as the age of like 15 to sort of decide what you're what were you do like the back then? what were you like back as a as a teenager were, were you always because when i speak to service designers they tend to have this uh curiosity um from a very young age describe what you were like in um is it called secondary school in the uk or is it high school yeah high, high school yeah pretty much pretty much yeah. that i think for me you know i i was i was invested in a lot of things and most of them landed on the kind of creative side of things so i hated Mm. maths um i was interested in science but i wasn't the best at it um but then when it came to things like uh english literature uh graphic art is one of the things we did um and and those sorts of subjects i found myself more interested 
And I think even before that, I, I was fascinated with cars and car design in particular. And that was something that really drew my interest in, you know, sort of the creative side of work. I noticed there's a model car behind you. Um, is Was that one of your aspirations to get involved in automobile design? I think so, yeah. Like, you know, for some people, uh, interesting cars is about kind of the, the engineering and the technology side of mm. things. For me, it was very much kind of the aesthetics, you know, PlayStation 1, Gran Turismo, uh, all these hundreds of cars to look at and try. And I think that was what was really a big interest for me. And uh, my parents tell me stories of how I was very young and able to sort of identify a car by the roof or something like that. You know, just the just the appearance really? of the car. Yeah, yeah. So that's always been something that's been with me. And I think that's, you know, that's taken different forms. So in, in high school, I started thinking, you know, potentially car design um, or even architecture as an interest. And, mm. you know, that sort of started. Mm. Um, and that was one of the, you know, kind of initial directions I took. And then, so towards, you know, college, I did graphic art in college, English literature, um, IT uh, and history as well. And again, it's at that point, you know, things start narrowing down, funneling into kind yeah. of, well, what, what could this realistically be as a degree? Um, and so with that, you know, I sort of went away from architecture, not, didn't have the mathematics or engineering skills, uh, went also towards you know the idea of kind of creative advertising uh, media and communications uh yeah. maybe a bit of journalism and then ultimately landed on my degree in marketing and design at lancaster university so it was a joint right. major it was really okay. interesting for that reason going back to like i'm i'm fascinated at this moment in time in my own life about how people become designers how, how, their journey into it so this podcast at the moment is is the podcast that I, I love the most. I've got, I've got several podcasts, as people probably know. But what were you like in terms of, um, we kind of covered off what you were like, what you were interested in. But in school, what was the conversations like around exploring design? And was there somebody that was pivotal in putting you on the tracks to get to that destination I'm, I'm really interested to see because what tends to happen is in my experience anyway someone is really good at drawing or painting and they're going to go oh they're they're arty and um they're really good at art so they should go to art college or design school and that that's like the the key the gateway to get into the, the whole kind of world of design and we know at this stage that's not necessarily true some of the best designers i know didn't go to design school many of them in fact don't or haven't so i want to understand what your journey was like um way back then if possible yeah for sure i think one of my my biggest influences was definitely my dad um he was always uh really great at fine art so kind of painting um you know good old natural kind of canvas and, and fine artwork um, photography as well he was massively into and I absolutely followed him on that because I just absolutely love photography myself mm -hmm. um, and so his you know his interest in a breadth of creative work was was what kind of gave me that initial interest to kind of go and start exploring things um, okay. and then my, my teacher in high school who was also my teacher in college um, she sort of encouraged me with the kind of the really kind of core principles I think of design and, and they're things that I'm still trying to learn to this day because I'm, I'm quite um I can be quite, I, I want to be specific with a lot of the work that I do. So I'm often kind of a bit of a perfectionist. Doesn't mean mm. that I do things perfectly, but that I kind of obsess a bit too much over the details or getting things right. Um, and she always kind of encouraged me to just like, you know, put something on a page, just be creative, just, you know, go with that flow. 
and also be prepared to take that feedback as well because i think particularly uh outside of design i think sometimes it can feel like not necessarily an attack but maybe a bit of stress when someone says oh no i think we should do it like this or maybe you should try that mm -hmm. whereas in design i think you need to be a lot more open-minded about that the idea that it's not a negative when people kind of give you feedback it's it's part of that process to keep iterating yeah so do you mind me asking what age you are now i'm 25 you're 25 so what would you say to uh the 15 year old andrew if you're able to go back in time um and give them advice what would you whisper in their ear oh many things many things um i think i think for me it's about being a bit more creatively open and free and i think that was what's you know what i probably struggled with a lot from a design perspective in just mm -hmm. kind of getting a bit messy you know getting the paints out just trying things differently and, and finding that kind of creative vision and i think also maybe um slightly counterintuitive because i think part of it got me where i am today but perhaps being a bit less of a perfectionist about kind of the whole planning of of these next steps to take because mm. i think sometimes that can take away some of that kind of creative freedom and the the fluidity that you can have as you know kind of naturally interested in design i think mm. when you start thinking about career that can sometimes interfere with that and, and kind of become a bit sanitized yeah it's great that you you had a parent that was open-minded enough to allow you the freedom to get into something that was relatively creative um was there other people in terms of friends like well, what did your friends study what was your clique like in school um how would they have described you would they have described you as the the arty one or the creative one or how might they describe you well i think you know it varies from friends to, to people who weren't as friendly would probably call me you know kind of quite nerdy um a bit of a, a swat is the word they'd use uh towards the north it's a very and, word. <laughs> yeah swat. Swat. um yeah especially yeah weakness uh, analysis exactly yeah, yeah not a swat analysis analysis sadly um but yeah i think you know some you know i think i was quite you know studious but at the same time uh used mm. to like making people laugh like being silly maybe a bit hyperactive especially in primary school um, and I think what was really interesting about the, the friends that I had now that I think about it is there was a huge breadth of, of interests and, and fields they went into, you know, so some of them are, have gone into law, some are uh, in filmmaking and direction, uh, mm. some are in uh, real estate and things like that. So okay. there is a huge variety. And I think that was a, a great thing to have, I think. Okay. So you went to Lancaster University and you, you studied marketing and was design. It? marketing design so in that course um can you tell me a little bit more around what the expected outcomes were as in um when you entered into the the course was there maybe a an interview process or a step-by-step -step process can you talk to that can you remember that far back yeah so absolutely i was um i was really interested in in, in how that worked when i you know when i was joining because there is such mm. a a frantic kind of panic when it comes to applying to universities you know you have these these four choices that you make you've got you you know yeah got to make these decisions and for me um like Lancaster I saw is kind of a stretch goal um so they I think they needed uh AAB as the requirements to get into into university um AAB you're gonna have to because this is a different setup oh yeah to like Australia America and Ireland like where you, you and my, my wife is is British from Northern Ireland and maybe talk a little bit more in the schooling piece where you have to 
pick the subjects when you're 15 because I, I learned about this when I met my wife and I was like oh man that's very early to to siphon down and to to focus so can you tell us a little bit more around that because people might be confused when they're listening yeah for sure and and the things have changed even since I was in in high school and and uh, and college I think it's by a number system now I think from from one to eight or something like that um but back in my day as they say um it was just a, you know a to f or a to e i think it was called because we didn't want to give people an f um or a star to f and you know when you're about 15 years old as far as i remember you know there comes a point where you say right we need to decide what gcses you're going to do gcses are basically the high school qualifications so equivalent mm-hmm. to like american sats as they call it um and you do i think about 11 or i think some people do 12 gcses so you have core subjects that you have to do so like english maths um and i think a, a, a either a combined science or triple science as they call it um okay. and then you get a selection of a few more um options so you know at that stage it's about trying to pick you know some of your favorite subjects if you can and then other ones that are maybe your strength yeah maybe beneficial in general so i did like a um it was a type of baccalaureate thing where i did uh, history and spanish as a gcse um okay. so even at that stage there's a lot of tactical planning about you know giving yourself the best chance uh, going forward okay. so then, that eight yeah. a b as you say eight a b what does that mean i i was uh slurring my words it was a a b um so two two a's and a b basically uh at college <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so in college so by the time you finish gcses uh in the UK or in England, at least uh, mm-hmm. you go to college before you go to university. So that's a, a key thing, I suppose, for international people is that, you know, you finish high school at, um, at 16 and then you do about two years in college. Um, so you do mm-hmm. A levels um, and with those, you sort of you, you're honing that that focus again even more. So in my case, I went from doing like 11 GCSEs to then doing uh, four um, AS levels which is just before an A-level, and then okay. three, three A-levels primarily. Very cool. So um, when you went into Lancaster University, um, well, what kind of design was it? Because, you know, there's when you go to university, there's usually visual communications or there's industrial design. There's now service design degrees. Was it a general design um, in terms of you, you touch on lots of different parts of design? Maybe talk to us a little bit more around that. It was really interesting, actually, you know, so for me, uh, you know, if I just go back a little bit to, you know, kind of my ultimate choice, it was, um, you know, I I really like the look of Lincoln for its advertising courses, and they have a really great creative department. um, And I interviewed there um, and got an offer. And I went to Lancaster as well. uh, And and sort of saw the, you know, there's the the way their degree worked was separated. So it's a I think it's a joint major or a dual major which means okay. the marketing degree is taught separately from the design degree. And I think for me, um, it was really, uh, it was actually quite difficult when I first joined because I was sort of expecting a kind of a, a combined mix of these two things, but really they were sort of taught by two different schools within the university. Um, okay, so, so marketing like, school and then the design university. Exactly, yeah. So there's, there's Lancaster University Management School and then there's the, the Lancaster Institute for Contemporary Arts. So okay. these two things, initially when I came in, I was sort of thrown off by that separation and, and, and the kind of the mix. Yeah. And in addition to that, as you say, the, the, the actual design, I think I came into it expecting 
graphic design, visual design, you know, sort of, um, mm. you know, what I was almost aiming for of kind of creative advertising. So copywriting and, and, and all that kind of visual design, because I think what I was best at at the time was kind of photography, writing, um, and then kind of things like Photoshop and, and things like that. So yeah. I think at that age, I think, again, I just came in and thought that's what it'll be. Yeah. And what was really interesting is it wasn't that at all. You know, so throughout most of the degree, we didn't necessarily use Photoshop or InDesign. I think it was a thing that you'd use, you know, in, in completing some of the modules. But our first kind of, you know, some of the main modules we did were sort of design thinking, um, ideation. Um, I'm trying to remember my module titles now. Um, and what happened was, I think, you know, as we get towards the subject of how did you end up in service design, it was sort of by accident because the course itself actually was really well suited for thinking about kind of experiential design service design and and kind of completing you know even design ethnography and things like that so it, yeah. it, it ended up being something that i thought was was really interesting so you you studied design research as part of the the degree is that right yeah we did do research um as part of it um we we had some cases where we had you know sort of a scenario based kind of situation and and mm. towards the end of the year we had kind of a live kind of real real client that we had to go and find um that's pretty cool then, yeah it's pretty cool because most of the the degrees out there that that i see um they don't have the marketing side of things and i i've gone through a kind of a hate hate love <laughs> experience with marketing over my career where i used to always kind of you know grit my teeth uh, any marketers listening uh, i don't mean any offense i know kind of totally appreciate you a lot more but um looking at it from a, a service perspective you're you're looking at the pre-service experience and you're understanding the the ability to market a service and having both sides of that is uh, is a it's a huge strength i feel um especially if you can understand the language from a marketing perspective it can do you um huge favors um i would have appreciated that in my early career as well so that's that sounds super interesting um can you remember what it was like when you finished your degree okay because there's people out there at the moment definitely listening to this podcast who might be studying marketing they might be studying things that don't have the title of design in their in their degree okay so they're kind of going i'd like to get into design but i don't want to go back and do another three or four years and studying is that is that something that you went through yourself like where you know you didn't have a, a pure degree you had marketing in your title as well and did it hold you back or did it set you up for success more well what do you think i think it's a really uh, interesting subject you know for, for me um you know it was a deliberate choice to pick a degree that was quite broad in its title you know to, to think about mm -hmm. marketing and design it, it covers a lot of different bases and and part of the reason for that was a, a sort of a fear of coming to the end of the degree and, and maybe not being able to get a job out of it. I think that's probably yeah. the most common fear is, is you know, you, you finish uni and you can't get a job. And I think that fear was very much present for me. It was it was really, you know, difficult to contend with. Um, and I think that, you know, your question there about whether you look at a job that has design in the title or, or has something about service, you know, service design or, or anything like that. Yeah. It, it does put a lot of people off because I think, you know, even in businesses that have service design jobs, not all of them actually know what service design is or what it can be. And I think that goes yeah. for people applying to that it has such a broad spectrum and a broad appeal. 
Um, you know, an example I can give from my experience is that, well, in marketing, you know, we talk about the, you know, the experience economy, you know, and, and that's a, yeah. you know, a, a really interesting subject, but it, it immediately gets to, in a sense, service design, because it's about designing experiences that are, are positive for people. So even with, yeah. a, if you did a pure uh, marketing degree, you know, you have that, that kind of service design mindset. And I think as long as you have the, the empathy to think, you know, can I improve this for someone? Can I make it a better experience for them? Then I think that's that's the key starting point for design. Really good. Uh, I love that answer. Um, when you were coming out of university, though, did you have to get a portfolio together? Can can you walk me through that that journey? Because I know you're on your second job at the moment at the the ONS um, in the UK. What was the experience like of finishing? Because you would have finished in May, presumably, of a year. And, you know, the job's going to open up a little bit more in September time. What was that like mm-hmm. when you finished? What did you do? Did you go and get messed up in Spain for a couple of months? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the money. That was the that's the classic thing. You know, when you, you, you get a job and you have money, but no time, or you don't have a job and you have yeah. time, but no money. It's the, it's the classic balance. The um, pressure of like, you know, it's going to happen at some point. You need, you need to knuckle down and get a job. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, one of the one of the huge helps to you know give a shout out was the careers advisor. So if, if anyone is kind of you know at university and 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 that, or, or I think even outside university, there are services like that. Speaking to someone who kind of understands the space that you're in um, is a mm. really useful thing, and and they they will sort of advocate for you and help you build that process out. As far as kind of like portfolio design, that's something I I did take on as best as I could and. Uh, you know used used even my photography work and things like that to, to bring it in i think definitely having some creative material to bring in is is a really useful thing did the university help you with that process was that something that um that that whole kind of transition period from university into employment is a is a huge gap and um i'd love to learn more you mentioned there about a career advice was that a service that was provided by Lancaster University? Yeah, it, 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 it is. And, and the amazing thing about that as well, and I, I think this is probably true for, for other universities, but for, for Lancaster is that um, that service is there for, for life, essentially. So even after you've graduated, even if it's three years down the line, you could still go back to them and say, oh, I'm looking, you know, looking for a new job or looking for this and, and get advice from them. Cool. So making use of that. that yeah, that, that's, you say that's in every university not the ones that I've spoken to. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's a super cool service to have. Um, it's kind of like an alumni group or a support group or a career group. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. It's, you know, it, it's part of that kind of, I guess that package there. And, and I think that's, mm. that's really useful. Um, and, and again, I, you know, for people who maybe are listening, don't, you know, don't have a career advice service. I think even just speaking mm. with a, a mentor or a tutor of any kind, whether it's someone who's given lectures or classes and just sort of running ideas by them. I think that's a really great help, you know, just yeah. sort of lean on those people around you to sort of say, you know, what do you think of this? How would you do that? And, and, you know, that, that kind of gives you also the set, you know, the stepping stones for networking and kind of having those relationships outside of, outside of a uh, uh, university. So when you finished your, your degree, um, it wasn't so much a goodbye it was more like uh best to look let me know if you need anything kind of approach was it i think so yeah you know i've it always felt like the door was open um to to get support and and things like that um and i think 
you know, definitely, you know, when, when I finished my degree, you know, even before I finished my degree, it was chasing down a job as, as quickly as possible and, but also making sure it's the right yeah. one. And I think definitely people should be aware of, you know, as much as it might go against, you know, every instinct in your body, don't just accept the first job that you're offered. If, if you are offered a job, okay. make sure that it's the right fit for you as well. Um, because I think you, you can easily sign yourself up for an experience that's either going to be really, really difficult. Um, How or did you, you do that? Also... What's that? Sorry. How did you do that? How, how did you make sure that it was the right fit for you? It's it's difficult to say. I think maybe coming into it with a with an idea of you know what what you're looking for you know in a, in an ideal circumstance you know so whether it's you know a geographical location of where you're working um, you know how close yeah. you might be to people that you know or or whether you're looking for a brand new experience in a brand new place um, you know you know show that you kind of deserve a good salary as well I think particularly for graduates for people who are now professionally qualified and probably have the most up-to-date information on the industry. I think graduates yeah. are really undervalued in in all industries, pretty much. So did Lancaster help you with that process in terms of knowing what your worth was? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, getting an idea of kind of av- average average graduate salaries, um, kind of based on location as well. You know, the percentage of, you know, students that get a job within the first year and, and, and you know, kind of giving those statistics as reassurance because... Again, I, mm. I firmly didn't believe I was going to get a job out of university. I just had that mindset. Um, I suffer with anxiety and all sorts of different uh, mental health issues. But having people around you that can sort of ground you in that reality that, look, you know, things will work out or that, you know, we can work together on your talent. CV and, and things yeah. like that give you that support. It's I, I, I think um, it's easy for us to say, like, um, every university does that, but that sounds remarkable. Um, so whoever is buying the, that, that initiative at Lancaster university, I tip my hat to you because it's a really, really powerful thing because, um, I know I went through that experience myself and people who listen to this podcast knows that it was a really tough time mentally for me trying to, the pressure of getting a job. What happens if I don't get a job? Do I just accept a job in a shop and stay there and then run the risk of end up working in a shop for five years and then all of a sudden you're it's five years since you did anything in design. They're all real conversations I've had with people still to this day. So it's really, um, you know, heartwarming to hear that that service exists at Lancaster University. So um, fair play. Um, now, you, you mentioned the first job that you had at a university there, but we didn't go into it in a little bit more detail. Um, you said you had a process and you, you stressed the importance of um making sure that you don't accept just the first job that you you get a job that's right fit for you where was your first job and was it right fit for you (laughs) (laughs) so uh, you know so i I, i'd done you know an interview down in london and and sort of had sort of sort of an offer and and kind of you know Mm. was was looking at the idea and and i also had an interview up in north in 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 north wales and it was in automotive engineering and, and i think that was something that, you know, as I said earlier, interested in car design and anything in the automotive industry that really sort of excited me. And yeah, you know, I, I had the interview there and immediately felt, you know, this, this is awesome, you know, and suddenly, you know, both actually both of the interviews that I did uh, it, before getting a job were in the automotive industry, but there was something there about being a bit closer to home, the salary being yeah. more competitive, um, all of these yeah. kind of key components and also the prospect of travel as well. And in that first role, it was, you know, massively challenging, but it was also 
you know hugely useful for me um I, I think it's it's a cliche to say that sometimes but you know it was a really really difficult job that the, the um it was sort of in a, a company that didn't actually have a marketing department it was a marketing job um and so i ended up doing all sorts of different things across all sorts of different kind of aspects of marketing and it gave me experience first of all you know i, I wouldn't have my second job if it wasn't for my first one yeah. um but it also gave me that kind of idea of you know what what i really want and i think what i really wanted was to to do work that was in a way that was you know you know good for my mental health um yeah. but also felt like i was doing something that helped people and that's exactly where service design comes in this idea that you know building something that's you know for people not just for you know uh, some industrial need or something like that that really kind of appealed to me i think the the catchment for service design has definitely increased over the last decade because we're seeing more people from other disciplines enter the field and it's fantastic because as you know service design is a team sport and we need people with lots of different skills and lots of different strengths so um i think we'll see more and more people like yourself um enter the field of service design which is which is great now i i mentioned there about um you know 25 year old or 24 year old andrew going back to 15 year old andrew what would you whisper into the ear of the the andrew who was finishing in lancaster university um, what advice would you give to that that version of Andrew way back then when they were looking for the job? What would you do different or differently? I think for me that you know the key thing might be uh, not not sacrificing your mental health so much for work or for a job because um, I think even the best jobs in the world have really really difficult you know times and I think as well you know if if you are an empathetic person, which I think many designers are because that's that's a lot of what the, the role is it can yeah. sort of take over quite badly and you know for a bit of context I, I did i took a year out of university during my degree sort of midway through had to stop because okay. my mental health was was just yeah in a terrible place it's too much um yeah absolutely um and and the sort of the perfectionism and, and everything i was describing earlier about you know having to have your career on track by 15 you know that that takes its toll and i think you're on a sort of a yeah. non-stop journey from the point of you know, from high school, slingshot to college, and then through university. And then it's like, you've got to get a job straight away. So I think yeah. making more time for my mental health, I think allowing myself to fail more, you know, and we say fail is a really dramatic word, but yeah. failure sort of, it should happen and it does happen. And I think dealing with that is a really key thing that we need, especially, you know, in, in your personal life and as well as, as a designer, you know, failure is part of that process. Yeah. Um, so I think, looking after your mental health is something I can't stress enough. And that's something that, you know, mm. I'd, I'd say to any, you know, well, anyone listening to this podcast, any person, you know, I'd say really kind of think about that and, and make sure that that's kind of high up on your agenda. Here, here. Cause I think without that, you don't have, you, you know, you can't do anything really um, well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. Do you mind me asking what, what you're doing now to, to maintain your mental health? So I think, one of the big things and it's part of my you know sort of my new year's resolution almost is to you know to to try and just i think just relax a bit more about things i think mm. put in perspective the you know the importance of our jobs i think our jobs you know are the majority of our lives you know our day-to-day -day life so it's easy for it to suddenly take kind of precedence over anything else um so i think for yeah. me it's about making time for almost 
my life around my job as well. I think that sounds, you know, maybe counterproductive in some ways, but I think, you know, making time for your life and sort of having those interests outside of it and thinking, you know, what am I going to do outside of work? I think ultimately will help you in work because I think you can have that sort of professional distance from it. You can still, you know, have all of that efficiency and care. And I think you can have the stamina then to keep going for a longer amount of time and and to kind of keep that energy up in the job. And building a support network is something that I've focused on the last number of years, not just support network in terms of friends, like professional support network. I see a psychologist every couple of weeks. It's like going to the gym for me. So um, it's really important for us to have these open conversations and to talk about these things uh, an awful lot more. So um, I'm delighted you brought that one up. Now, Andrew, um, you're working in ONS in uh, the UK at the moment. I know they've got a couple of offices there at the moment. Um, but talking about your, your role now as a service designer, maybe tell us a little bit more around the kind of work that you do for people who want to learn more about service design. What kind of uh, things do you get to work on? So I think, uh, naturally, I, I can't go into, into a huge amount of detail on these things, but, uh, you know, in, in broad strokes, it's broadly about trying to bring, you know, sort of, you know, the service design in this nicely, uh, in this book here, you know, this is service design doing. Mark, which I, Adam and Mark's book has just been held it up. Yeah, yeah. Held Sorry, I realize for anyone listening, you can't see that. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to bring that to, uh, you know, an organization that previously hasn't had it. So I think it, it's about trying to do the best practice we can, whilst at the same time educating people about what service design can be. And, and that takes a lot of forms, because I think it's about, uh, you know, the, the day-to-day of the job it is to a degree kind of integrating with other people in the organization showing them yeah. what service design can be so all of those kind of key things like you know uh, you know user journey mapping user research um building sort of empathy as a company and, and also introducing things like co-design um mm-hmm. and iteration as well an iterative design process i think is really important so it, it, it's it's those things it's it's really is the kind of the, the principles of what we describe as service design that that, that I, okay. I try to do excellent um andrew if people want to reach out to you and have a follow-up conversation about um you know getting in touch with you and, and learning more what's the best way for people to get in touch with you uh linkedin and twitter so on on linkedin i'm just andrew frankham which is f-r-a-n-c-o-m-b so yeah, I, I'm, I'm always open for messages, happy to chat with people about design or anything and, and even mental health, if that's something that, you know, someone wants to talk about. Because um, yeah, I think, as you say, having a network, a support network is a really useful thing to have in that case. Um, and Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being so open as well. That's all right. No, it's great to chat with you, Jerry. Um, thanks for having me on the, uh, having on the podcast. So there you have it. That's all for this episode. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. Now, if you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.